Hi, we are the Fancy Football Fanatics. My name is Duncan, and this week I'm joined by Andy in Tokyo. Welcome, Andy, to Halloween week. Was it a, a ghoulish, ghastly week for you, or was it not too bad? Um, do you know what? I didn't see any ghosts, fortunately. Uh, I might have seen the ghost of Tottenham Hotspur, but apart from that, I don't think I saw any ghosts. <laughs> uh, so I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. How about you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I haven't been too scared, I have to say. Um, do you have a football moment from this game week? Um, well, yeah, I do. I, uh, as a Man U fan, I think it has to be the um, the put it like Man U putting in a convincing performance and beating a team three nil. Um, I don't know what we are anymore as a team, but I enjoyed beating Tottenham, so that was nice. My uh, my football moment. I feel like I'm letting the side down because I'm one of the few non-Man United fans on the pod. But my football moment comes from the same game. And uh, I was actually, for the first time, and I don't know how long because of the pandemic, I was actually in Matt's flat, the other podcaster, Matt, watching the Man U game with him. And it was so nice just to sit on a sofa in someone else's house and watch it. He's got a big screen TV, which I don't have, and just sit there and watch it in like high definition rather than dodgy streams on a, a laptop that keeps on, you know, like losing the stream and stuff like that. That's been my pandemic experience. It was so nice. And... Matt, if you're listening, I'm sorry. When Ronaldo scored, I was celebrating because he was in my team and I thought you'd be celebrating as well because you're a Man U fan and we could share that moment. I didn't realise or think at the time that he'd taken a minus eight to drop Ronaldo <laughs> and, <laughs> and was saying during the game that he probably wanted Man U to lose so Oli could get sacked rather than uh, what may happen now is that, you know, Oli's Ollie's fought back and proved himself playing McFred and Maybe he's going to stay for the good fixtures now, right? Yeah. Um, I think he probably always was, to be honest. Um, I don't think the Glazers are like as trigger-happy as most Man U fans want them to be right now. It's interesting how the, the, the fans have suddenly turned, right? Like, losing 5-0 to Liverpool is a sackable offence in and of itself. And so that has turned a lot of the fans against Ollie and there's no, there's no way back, to be honest with you. Nobody hates him. You know, it's not like Nuno at Spurs. No one hates him. But no, no one wants him there anymore. Yeah. And yeah. so, I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting, actually, over the next uh, month or so. I think he'll probably, if we're not in the top four in, at the turn of the year, I think that's when it's going to start to get hairy for him. Yeah. Um, and if that does, but by then, the fans are going to be so tired of it. That um, like I hope that it doesn't tarnish the like reputation and the love that he's always had at the club. Uh, it depends. So, I mean, you know, Avinga was there for a lot longer, but it definitely tarnished some of that. The the way it ended. So, um, short, yeah, like, short, like, short. Do that. I'm not sure he's still going to be there in like eight years' time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was more than eight. It was like twenty something, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Well, do you want to talk us through your your game week? You took a you took a big hit this week. Um, how did it I go? I did, yeah. Um, it was an intentional four point hit um, where I I wanted my first transfer that I did like immediately as soon as it was this game week was to get um, either Tony in because Brentford had like a, a glorious run of the picks just now. Um, so I got an Ivan Tony. Um, then Rafinha came up as a a, a doubt, and I sort of didn't like the look of Leeds at the moment generally. So then I got Foden in for um, in for Rafinha and then Pogba got sent off. And so then I had to get rid of Pogba as well. <laughs> so I got a Mason Mount for Pogba. Um, so that was like in order of my transfers. It all happened during the during the last game week. I haven't made any transfers all week. It all happened in the last game week. Um, so um, I went into this week with all with those three in my team. Um, obviously, uh, Tony, Tony and Foden both blanked, and Mount didn't even play, <laughs> so that went well. Um, but Mount not playing means that Smith Rowe comes off my bench, and uh, I got nine points for him. So Smith Rowe, twenty-one points in no twenty-two points in two weeks is pretty phenomenal. Um, if I'd actually played him on the pitch, then I'd be much higher up in the league. Um, so I got. Once once Smith Rowe comes in, I have forty five points, which on a low scoring game week is okay. Like it's not a bad score for this week. Um, for, is my reading of it. 
Um, the average for the entire game week across the, across the whole game is 37. So being 45 is significantly above that. And it means that I'm kind of keeping pace with our mini league. So I'm, I'm, I'm all right with 45. When your points come in off the bench, will you will you still be ahead of Matt in towards the bottom of the league or will he, he have overtaken you? Um, he will overtake me because while I get Smith Rowe off the bench, he gets Conor Gallagher off the bench. So um, that keeps him ahead of me, unfortunately. If I, if he hadn't got Conor Gallagher, then we'd be level on points, which would be amazing. Um, but <laughs> his, uh, his Conor Gallagher move takes him ahead of me. So I see you've got um, you've got the the new Brentford keeper now. Ray is injured. You've got Fernandez, Alvaro Fernandez playing in your first team. How come? I do you know what I've just I've just lied to you completely. Um, it wasn't um, Rafinha that I did this week. I did Rafinha last week, didn't I? It was um, it was Fernandez for Raya was my last substitution. My oh, last okay. So kind of two two enforced ones in a, a few weeks, or you had the Pogba one, then you had Raya injury and stuff. Could you not have just played yeah, Sanchez because exactly. Sanchez is your backup, right, or your rotation? Um. Well, I could have, but um, this week he was playing against Man City. I didn't really want that. Um, so I was faced with like, I, I, I was faced with, do I think that um, in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be worth four points before I can, I can get um, a different, like, like a different backup keeper in. I was like, probably is because Sanchez has got a few difficult pictures coming up and I don't want to have to play Sanchez against like good teams. And true, true to form, he did, he did blank this week. Did, so he's got yeah. what, um, like he's got West Ham, he's coming up. He's got, to be fair, Newcastle with her and needs the next three fixtures. But I've kind of got my next my next few weeks all planned out already. So it would be a while before I could get him changed. So I just took the hit. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw much of the Brentford game, but from the highlights that I saw, he looked a little bit shaky, Fernandez coming in. I guess it's his first game, right, replacing Raya. And he, surely he'll kind of settle. But he didn't look particularly convincing. I thought Burnley are a difficult team, you know, especially for a new keeper coming into the league. It's going to be very physical, a lot of balls, high balls in and challenges and stuff like that. But hopefully he can settle for you because I don't think he looked like a natural Raya kind of identikit replacement at the moment. No, I think you're probably right about that. Um, and he is my backup keeper. So uh, just to sort of make that very clear, Sanchez isn't my I'm playing for Sanchez for most of the next few weeks when I can. Um, so... Yeah, we'll see. It was a bit of a gamble. We'll see how it goes. Um, it's better than having just a, play, a, a, a reserve keeper that never plays, right? So, And they're playing Norwich next as well, so you've got to be playing in there. Norwich, I think, the record lowest goal scorers at this point in a Premier League season. Um, at least they were going into that game. So, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure that will probably continue against Brentford with their defence. For me this game week, I'm on, I think, about 48 points, something like that. Um, I saved transfer this week because I thought, although there were problems in my team that probably could do with fixing, I thought there was nothing too urgent and there were a couple of things that I wanted to wait and see on. Like uh, I have Saar in my team. He was playing Southampton. Saar hasn't been on good form at all for quite a while now. Bomo was going to be my replacement transfer, but there was talk about his hamstring and he was a bit of a doubt. I don't think he actually played a minute in the end, so I'm glad I didn't make that move at the moment, so I have to see. And Christensen, I'd like to replace him with Chilwell or James or, um, well, yeah, pretty much one of those two, but it didn't seem, I didn't have enough money to do it straight away and I didn't feel like a hit was worth it when I thought Christensen might play anyway and that kind of was the case with a six-pointer for him. So I think that's fair enough. Apart from that, I also, sticking with Ronaldo and I was really chuffed because I was I was thinking he was going to go for Lukaku a few game weeks ago, game week eight, something like that. And he stuck around, Lukaku got injured, he stuck around and he, he's coming with 12 points. He hasn't done a lot, but I think, you know, Tottenham, I, I was kind of hopeful. The defence hasn't been great. He's got Watford away where um, other people might not have him. His ownership was really low when I was looking at live FPL this game week. I think he was at like 6% in the top 10K or something like that. And I'm a way off top 10K, but I think his ownership in the top 100K is probably pretty low as well. So 
I know it's Man City next and it's Chelsea away and it's one of our talking points, so we'll come on to it later, but um, I'm glad I've held on to him or, or haven't had a good reason to get rid of him so far because it's worked out this week. Apart from that, um, it's a low score in a low scoring game week. Just really pleased about, sorry, Andy, about Rafinha coming on and doing what we hoped he was going to do against Norwich. Got a goal, he got a bonus and stuff like that. Um, so he's going to stick around, I'm sure, for a little while. He did look like everything was going through him. At a certain point of the game, he he was almost playing up front as well. You know, Rodrigo was dropping so deep, he was almost the most advanced player on the pitch and he looked a bit sharp again. Um, so that's really good. I'm chuffed with that. Apart from that, um, yeah, nothing much else. Um, so should we move on to that as our first talking point? Um, so it's... Ronaldo and Fernandez playing at Man United. Um, are they a hold for players with um, those two in their teams at the moment? They've got some good fixtures coming up. Is it, um, let me see, in one, two, three, four, five game weeks, their fixtures suddenly turn and they have a run from game week 16 until game week 27, which is a huge, huge run of green. Um, so is it just worth keeping them through the next few nasty Man City, Chelsea away, um, even like Arsenal and Crystal Palace, not so easy kind of games? Do you hold if you have Fernandes or Ronaldo in your team or are there better alternatives that you can move for during those fixtures, do you think? Um, I think if you've got them now, then it doesn't make any sense to transfer like most, there aren't very many of both of them, right? Having one of them for the next few weeks, the next three weeks isn't a problem, I don't think. Um, but I think that from game week 13 after the Chelsea game, uh, maybe after the Arsenal game, depending on how how the City and Chelsea games go, um, I think you're going to see a sudden like influx of players um, getting Ronaldo. So I think... Fernandez is your kind of um, your differential buy, and Ronaldo's the, the mainstream buy in that. Do th- in that era. Do, you th- do you think with Fernandez you could um, you could swap him for for Son? I'm just thinking. I know Tottenham haven't looked good at all, but Son's fixtures in in that run of nasty fixtures for Man U with Man City and Chelsea. Tottenham have Leeds at home, Burnley away. Everton away, Brentford at home. I mean, even saying that now, I'm like, <laughs> okay, they've got one fixture, Leeds at home, where they're playing against a defence that looks all at sea. But apart from that, the others are, are not definite for me at the moment. Like Burnley have had a, a good result against Brentford. Everton, you, you don't quite know. Brentford, um, we're not totally sure if if Fernandez in the defence is going to get a bit shaky now or not. We know. So maybe not. What do you think of Son instead of Fernandez? What's interesting, I, I didn't see this weekend's result coming. Um, and I, like, my original, like, grand plan that I had to tear up when I played my wild card was to be um, switching in game week, at the end of game week 13, to get from Lukaku to Ronaldo. Obviously dropped Lukaku already because he's injured. The whole, the whole thing's been ripped up now. Um, but... So my sort of plan B was to have Son right now. That was like what I was what I was going for. And I, true to form, I've already made my uh, my transfers this week. I brought in uh, I brought in Huang for Antonio because um, West Ham's fixtures have turned, and the idea was that I was going to upgrade one of my midfielders, whichever one wasn't performing, to Son. After this weekend, I'm just not sure. They looked so bad. Um, against Man United and uh, like they've looked bad for a while but have been kind of scraping through with some results against the worst teams obviously Kane and Son pulling rabbits out of pants for them but I don't know like you say that the next few games are like nightmare games for underperforming managers of top teams that don't want a banana skin um, I think it could go really badly and I think we could see Nuno out in like Four weeks if they do go badly which obviously makes then if there's a new manager bounce that could be a really good time to get someone like Son but then that means that, he, that 
the the good run for Spurs would coincide with a good run for United. So, yeah, exactly. I I don't know. It's just so tricky, isn't it? Because you want to be you want to be a bit certain about these these kind of differential moves. I know Son is is highly owned, Kane not so much, but um, if you're going against the crowd, you don't want to fall behind, especially if you're trying to catch up ground. For me, I was going to do Ronaldo to Lukaku around game week eight, keep Lukaku, and then Kane was going to come in for this fixture run. And then as he went out game week 15, it would move back to Ronaldo, which thinking about it now would have been a huge amount of transfers in just one position over a certain amount of game weeks. You know, the rest of my team would probably be on fire if I actually did that. But um, I mean, injuries just keep coming, don't they? So yeah, but I totally agree about Kane. Son, maybe slightly less. I think he still looks really sharp. He still looks like he's working really hard. And I think there was some analysis I saw on um, FBL Black Box last week. Um, Mark Southerns was showing that Son's numbers um, in comparison from this season to last season, every pretty much every single um, stat, you know, shots in the box, touches in the penalty area, all those kind of things, think shots on target are all improved from last season. Considering how good a season he had last season, um, his stats are, are better. That may be because he's trying to make up for Kane or he's being slightly more selfish because Kane's not the option. Last season, they combined all the time, didn't they? It was Kane's son, son's Kane. Maybe Kane's less of an option to pass to, so he's like, I might as well just shoot. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree on Kane. Yeah. Son's funny. We, we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago. I, I've always thought Son was like, a, when he was playing, he was like as good as any of the 12 million players. So he should have been 12 million really. But because he typically misses two to three months of every season, his end of season tally doesn't look impressive enough. And then he ends up staying around the 10 million mark. So he's kind of always uh, undervalued and good player to have, I think. Um, Unless Spurs are awful. And right now Spurs are awful. Yeah, definitely. So back to Ronaldo and Fernandez, are they a hold for you then? If we're saying that Son and Kane are, and not great. Yeah, I think they're, they're they're players that everyone's going to want to have at least one of um, in a couple of weeks' time. So, if not both, I yeah. think uh, you, you know, given like like you mentioned injuries, like everyone's got other priorities right now. I don't think that losing Ronaldo or losing Fernandez is a priority until we at least until we figure out what on earth is going on at Man United. <laughs> <laughs> and it saves you a transfer as well, right? So maybe you just hold through Man City and Chelsea. Okay, I might take that advice. Um, so we've kind of touched on one of our other talking points, which is which was going to be about Son and Kane, kind of mix those two together. So next up, it's Crystal Palace. So they have the best fixtures um, as kind of judged by the Fancy Football Scout fixture ticker over the next 10 game weeks. So they're top of the league for best fixtures over the next 10. And they've just beaten City away. They're looking really good dynamic young team exciting are there any fancy assets from that team that kind of interest you um yes definitely um i think conor gallagher is one who um is like a lot of people have got him already right because he's he's massively undervalued um, he's a, like he's a Chelsea quality player sitting in that Palace team. So, well, you say you say people have got him already. I think people in maybe high up in leagues have got him, but in the overall game, he's actually under eight percent owned. So, I think you know people who are FPL obsessed probably have him in their team, but generally, most people are not really noticing at the moment, or maybe they will. Now he scored at Man City, but um, he's still yeah, a big differential at the moment. So I think that's a good shout. Um, so definitely he is. The other one that interests me is um, Odson Edouard, who, um, like, I, actually, Ben Teke's been doing pretty well recently, but I just can't bring myself to trust him. Um, <laughs> so I would go with Edouard over Ben Teke just for, like, like from knowing what happens to Ben Teke every year. Um, he looks really interesting to me. He uh, obviously scored two in his first, like, 90 seconds on the pitch or something at the, earlier in the season. Um, and he seems to be the the other first choice striker there. Um, 
Zaha's the one that everyone probably is going to be looking at at the moment because he just had an amazing game against City. And he's, for years, been at Palace's, like, uh, go-to attacker. But I think, actually, this this season's Palace is much less reliant on Zaha. And he's the most expensive player they've got. So, um, I don't think Zaha's a bad pick, but I think there are equally good picks at lower price in that team. So, I would go for Edouard or, or Gallagher would be mine. How about you? Well, I I don't know. I, I know you say Zaha's the most expensive, but he's still so cheap, you know, 6.9. And it fits so well into so many people's team around that kind of Mount Jota kind of price. And I th- I feel like he's on penalties this season. I know Milivojevic has had them in the past, but like Milivojevic was dropped against City. That may have been tactical, but I think even if he's on the pitch, I'm not sure he's going to take penalties off Zaha. I think... I'd like to see it, but I would, I would, I would bet that Zaha's still the penalty taker um, after last season, and he's a midfielder, six point nine. I just think there's so many good options at Palace, and he's definitely one of them. I think, like looking at the fixtures, Wolves next, Burnley away, Villa who are in in trouble, Leeds away. Um, they're not the kind of fixtures that are going to make people go, "Oh my god, I've got to get them in." You know, it's. It's Norwich and it's um, other terrible teams like Watford and all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of teams that they could do very well against. And I think they're going to continue to fly under the radar a little bit in terms of FPL. Um, Yeah, I think even um, Geita, 4.5, goalkeeper, kind of low owned. I think I've said it on the podcast before. I think their stats um, in terms of expected goals conceded... um, a pretty pretty good considering the teams they've played. They've had quite a tough fixture run, but they've done pretty well for XGC. And Geiter, I think his stats in terms of goals prevented is pretty good as well. So I think maybe some clean sheets there and I would go for him over the defenders who I wouldn't say have a bigger kind of bonus or goal threat at the moment. So Geiter, but I mean, that's less exciting. There's more exciting players like Elise, in the last few games, he's come on and looked really dangerous. I mean, his his first serious involvement was only in game week seven. He got a, a goal. Next game, he got an assist. He's had an assist against Man City. And he hasn't nailed a starting place or, or a full 90 minutes yet. But he's at that four, 5.5 kind of price as well as, as so many players this season. It's such a crucial price, I think, 5.5. You've got Smith Rowe, you've got Mbomo, you've got Gallagher. You know, I'm sure there's more. And there's a least to add to the part. I think he's the one to watch category for me as a fancy player. They've even got, you know, Eberich Eze to come back, who Gary was really big on last season. I think he looked really bright last season. It's, I think it's like a really exciting young team now. Um, and there's competition for places. Like you're saying, like Zaha is almost not the forgotten man, but he, he was slightly being overshadowed until now in this performance against City. So that's only going to hopefully bring the best out of him, right? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think he's, if um, on his own at 6.9, he's a great pick. Um, I just think that um, you obviously mentioned Elise, I've mentioned Gallagher. Um, like, I just, I don't think he's better than those players as, as a fantasy pick. And he's um, a full 1.3 million more expensive than Gallagher. So, unless you want to like triple up on Palace midfielders, <laughs> I don't think very many people are going to do. I don't think Zaha makes the cut. <laughs> I, I just, I kind of love it because we've said it before, but Palace, are, are, that's kind of Croydon around that kind of areas where we all went to school. So they're kind of like our second team for a lot of the podcasters. Um, I just lo- I'd love to have a Palace player in there. And I think if I had to pick one of them out of this team, I think it would be your first pick of Gallagher. I think his stats, even, even now, he's up there with, you know, some of the best, um, players playing this season he hasn't exactly got the returns that his stats have uh, deserved but his expected goal involvement or expected um, yeah expected goal involvement so assists or goals is really really high you know up with some of the best and maybe this performance against Man City is going to convince Vieira to keep him higher up the pitch I think he changed it with those blanks that Gallagher's had was it five blanks in a row I think um, before this game, I think he was moved slightly further back 
So hopefully, you know, that, that goal and assist will encourage Vieira that he needs to be involved in the attack. Um, 5.6 so I completely, cheap. I did not see this coming from him this season. I like, didn't either, he was, yeah. He looked pretty average at West, alone at West Brom last season. Yeah, didn't he? I was he did, like, okay, didn't he? another West Brom player. But this season, he's just come alive. Yeah. I tell you who saw this, which kind of blows my mind. My mum saw this. She was chatting to me about it when she came to visit recently. She was like, oh, he was brilliant at West Brom. He looked really promising. I mean, <laughs> she's got an eye for uh, for talent because she, maybe, maybe it's a little bit of the hindsight there, but she claims that she spotted it last season. So I need to chat, uh, chat to her about next season for my FPL team. Yeah, ask, ask her which Norwich players look good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure they're going to be around. Um, <laughs> well, if they stay, we'll see. Um, okay, so we're excited about Palace. Gallagher, it sounds like maybe he's the pick for both of us. Um, and maybe not a bad pick for you with Matt having him and his team being his golden boy as well. Um, I think Matt probably thinks he's his player at the moment, so we're coveting him at the moment. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of a um, like Matt's t- typically had Cal- Gallagher as his first sub, and I've had Smith Rowe as my first sub. So it's kind of a that, that that's our rivalry at the moment is which one which one comes off like when, when they come off the bench, which one is better? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got to start playing them both, right? I'm sure I'm sure Matt will be playing him next week, um, and you've got to play yeah. Smith Rowe at the moment. It's Watford, isn't it? Um, uh, it's um, yeah, it's Watford next. So, uh, Watford in. definitely, yeah. I think, um, on that comparison on FBL Black Box, um, I think they were saying they were looking at Smith Rowe's numbers as well. He was also a player whose stats have massively improved, attacking stats have massively improved in the last season, specifically shots and attempts on goal and stuff like that. So he's adding that to his game and you can see it on the pitch. So yeah, he's a great pick. I'm jealous of you having an exciting Arsenal player or having the, you don't have to have the fear of bringing an Arsenal player and then not performing for your FPL team or your real team in, you know, the one you support. (laughs) So uh, yeah, I'm very jealous of that. Might join you at some point soon. Okay, next, next topic is, so it seems pretty much like salaries perma-captain for the moment while he's in this kind of crazy form. I want to check if if you think that's correct. And also, if you do, or even if you don't, do you think it's fair enough to spread the rest of our friends, uh, you know, a bit thinner across our team so we have a stronger squad? You know, we've got lots of rotation. Chelsea defenders get rotated. Um, Jota gets rotated. You worry about the City players missing games here and there. It seems... There's COVID, there's injuries and all that kind of stuff. So lots of rotation. Winter is coming, as Ned Stark said. Um, and Xmas fixtures, if you haven't played FBL before, then in Christmas time, the fixtures get really congested. There's a huge amount of rotation. You know, there's like two games in three days and the players are all tired. So there's often a huge amount of rotation, players missing games. So Andy, do you think, First, Salah, is he a perma-captain? And if he is, or if he isn't, is it fair enough to spread our funds around our squad? So we had a very similar discussion a few weeks ago when we were discussing the um, the merits and demerits of the 5-3-2. And Ben was like absolutely adamant that a 5-3-2 was a terrible idea. And the reason he said that was that it prevents you from like, he always wants to have some junk on his bench and he doesn't want points on his bench. So he tries to get all of the money onto the pitch. He definitely does, yeah. Um, which completely makes sense, right? Um, so I think Ben, if he were on the pod, would be saying, no, <laughs> don't spread your money around because if Salah gets injured or you know, you want to have, uh, or you know, maybe he gets rested one week, you want to have somebody else to pick up the baton as a vice-captain. Um, which I think is probably solid planning. If it was anyone but Salah, I think I'd probably agree with Ben. But because it's Salah, he just never gets injured, does he? He never goes anywhere. He's always playing. He's the the, the, just the manager's dream, right? He seems to just constantly be available, constantly playing well. Even when he plays badly, I, I say in inverted commas, he still seems to score points. So um, I don't know. I think I think it's a pretty strong argument. 
per week that you just spread your money around. Um, I'll hand over. I've got one more thing to add, but I, I think I, I, I'll hand over to you to give your opinion on uh, on Salah, on uh, spreading the money around first. I I just I love <laughs> I love not having the the fifty fifty call on a captain that you get wrong, you know that can really ruin your your game week and ruin how you feel about watching football. Um, I just love the fact that I'm putting it on Salah and everyone else is probably putting it on Salah. And it's kind of like another decision you don't have to worry about. I, I enjoy making the transfers and planning my team for the next few game weeks. I don't think I enjoy the picking the captain thing so much. So, yeah, I think um, I think I'm all for him being a perma captain. And I seem I seem to think I seem to remember him doing really well over Christmas's past. I mean, he does really well all the time, doesn't he? But um, I think he he is a bit of a, a Christmas king. So. Yeah, I think perma-captain. Spreading the funds. I think even if Salah wasn't perma-captain, this, is, this season is making me think it's a good season to spread funds. I don't know if there's more rotation happening than there has been before, but it feels like that way to me. I think, um, you know, you really want to have a Chelsea defender, but the Chelsea defence is changing, like, seems to change so frequently. You know, it's Alonso, he's... His first choice, Chilwell's out of it. He's he's in the wrong headspace. He's never oh no, it's Chilwell. He's first choice. James is totally out of it. You know, he's he's the most sub player of any of the Chelsea players. He's got more sub appearance under Tuchel than any of the other Chelsea players, com- Chelsea defenders combined. Oh no, he's scored three goals in two games, and he's uh he's surely going to stay in the team. So there's that. There's you know Yotta in my team who is in the best performing attack, but only plays every other game and you just don't know if he's going to start. So yeah, I think even if it wasn't for Salah, I'd be looking to spread my funds and with Christmas coming even more so. I mean, I try and do that every season as it comes to Christmas. So yeah, we're in, we're in agreement. I feel. My, my only thing is specifically next week. Okay. Um, Salah's playing against West Ham which right now is one of the toughest pictures in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, they just won 4-1 and Antonio blanked. Like that's that's really unusual, right? For the centre forward to blank during a 4-1 win, but it's a sign of a team that's really playing for each other and playing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Salah's got West Ham. Meanwhile, in my team, I've got um, Tony playing against Norwich, Vardy playing against Leeds, Smith Rowe playing against Watford. Like... Plus, who knows what's going to happen in Man United against Man City. Like, it, that could be another 5-0 with Foden scoring a hat-trick. So I've got lots of pretty viable options in my team versus Salah playing a really hard game. I'm quite tempted, given you and I are in different positions, right? Of course you love Salah being the perma-captain because you're probably the league that keeps you there. I'm, I'm in the opposite position where right? I'm scrapping it out with Matt for the wooden spoon. So I'm looking for differentials. And I'm wondering whether particularly looking at Vardy against Leeds, that might be a viable alternative. Definitely. I think definitely, yeah. I think that's that's a fixture that I was thinking about bringing Vardy in for this week. I was like, oh, I can get rid of Ronaldo, bring in Vardy, and then maybe bring in Bomo, you know, Norwich, Norwich away or at home for Brentford, and then Vardy at Leeds, that would be amazing, and vice-captain him at least. But yeah, it's a great shout. I mean, I watched the the Leeds Norwich game this afternoon while it absolutely pissed it down outside and it was very welcome distraction from the cold wet weather of autumn and oh my god that game like it was really good fun to watch but there was so much energy and so much enthusiasm and so much like chaos but there were so many mistakes and I'd say specifically like the Leeds defence looked like there were more d- mistakes in there than Norwich. I mean, there were a lot of mistakes all around, but like Llorente is supposed to be the saviour of Leeds's, you know, centre-back problems when he's fit. But for me, he just looks like a car crash. Like, <laughs> and Cooper hoofing the ball out um, when he's under kind of no pressure is kind of crazy. So I th- I like that a lot. And, you know, it's Dallas at left back now. Shackleton went off injured. He's not even the first choice right back. Um, they brought in a Drame, Cody Drame, I think, for his first Premier League 
minutes. I mean, yeah, go for it. Go for Vardy captain, definitely. Um, so you, Vardy's the one you think about the other options because I do have um, Ivan Tony coming up against Grant Hanley. That could be a car crash too, right? Yeah, it could be. It could be. Although Tony, Tony's stats are great and Brentford attacking stats are great, but he's just not quite doing it yet. So you'd you'd be banking on him to to suddenly, you know, start performing, you know, making those numbers real against Norwich. I mean, be a good game to do it against, but I don't feel Tony is a captaincy option at the moment. I feel like Vardy a proven Premier League goal scorer against, you know, really bad Premier League defence at the moment in Leeds. So I think that would be the safer bet. Sad because obviously, actually, I mean, the ownership's probably pretty comparable between Vardy and Tony. Tony, no, Tony's dropped now to 20%. I think Vardy's around like 33, 35, something like that. So, but it would still be a big differential captaincy. I'm sure most people will go for, for Salah. Although West Ham... You say they're one of the toughest teams to play, and I agree with that, but I'm not so sure their defence is the brilliant part of their team. I think they, they're they not keeping brilliant amounts of clean sheets. You don't see a lot of people clamouring for bringing in West Ham defenders at the moment. Um, yeah, that is a fair point. If they're, um, it's weird. They're everything David Moyes wasn't supposed to be, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. David Moyes was supposed to be rubbish and defensive at, at West Ham. We've created this vibrant attacking side that is yeah. one third in the league now. <laughs> I know. It's, it's kind of great, isn't it? That you kind of feel with those old British managers, they get to a certain point, it's just like, we're going to get the same old stuff everywhere they go. They'll say the same things to the press, but he's really changed it, hasn't it? It's great. <laughs> Um, yeah, I love it, especially since like I I liked him. Uh, I I really wanted him to succeed at Man United more than the more than Van Gaal, more than Mourinho. Like I actually wanted him to do well because I liked him before he came to the club. I was really sad to see him crash and burn so horribly at United, and then for it to like have ruined his career after that. So it actually makes me really happy to see him now coming back and like proving everybody wrong. With yeah, West Ham. yeah, that is great. I'm all for it as well. I loved him at Everton and. Um, yeah, wish him all the best at West Ham. He's doing brilliant, isn't he? Next topic is Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool. Um, and it's over to you because I think this is one from you, Andy. Yeah, so I think sort of received wisdom thus far has been that um, all three of, of Chelsea, Liverpool and City are like reliable. They're always going to win their games. They're the kind of teams that you can sort of put team put players in and know that they're going to do all right. And um, the defenders aren't going to concede a lot of goals and their main attackers are going to, are going to get goals. Um, what's happened this season? Well, most of this season, that seemed pretty, pretty spot on. Right. Um, but then this week we've seen, first of all, City lose to Palace and, um, and Liverpool draw to Brighton. Now, both of those are kind of good, but not top sides. Right. So um, they've sort of exposed a weakness that you don't need to be another one of the elite to, to expose. Um, and the second thing about those things is that they both seem to have beaten, like they've both got their results in a way that exposes, that like it takes advantage of a weakness that everybody already knew was there. Like if you watch Brighton against Liverpool, all they've done is they've kind of passed it in behind the the advanced fullbacks again and again and again to create like a two-on-two situation against centre backs. Like a lot of teams can replicate that. Um against uh City, what Palace did was they just attacked like crazy, right? And they uh, they unsettled the defense who weren't getting protected very well. Um they they held firm against sort of the false nine didn't really work against their their defensive lineup because they had like somebody drop to make sure Foden was never free. And yeah, just it worked really, really well. And it seems like again, teams can replicate that. So I guess my my question is, um, do you think Chelsea seems Chelsea still seem reliable? So do you think this is a one-off week, or do you think City and Liverpool are actually flaky? I think I think you're underestimating Brighton. I think Brighton against the top teams 
I think they're really quite tough to play against these this season. I think you maybe don't see it because they don't go out and score a huge amount of goals. I don't think Potter has sorted them out to be this brilliant attacking team. He's not David Moyes, okay? He's not he's not a magician. <laughs> but he he makes them really, really tough to play against. I think I saw it when Arsenal played against them, you know, and barely hung on to the game with their fingernails. I think they um Defensively, they're really solid. They they're second to Man City. I feel like in expected goal conceded and over this across the season, they're really really strong. And attacking wise, they seem to have enough uh, possession and enough cleverness combinations to get something out of what is a fairly limited attacking talent. You know, it's Trossard and then a few other people who have possibly slightly questionable in front of goal. Yeah, like Mope and Solly March, these aren't and well these back are quality and players, are they? Lallana and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of a miracle that they managed to score goals, to be honest. But um I think I think he's a really good manager and I think he's doing a really good thing there. And I think they are really tough to get play against. And I think a lot of teams will find it really tough and they'll do pretty well this season. I think Palace are also a team who are you know, we're excited about them. We're excited about their attacking options. And I think Vieira has come in and he's created a really positive um, momentum really quickly. And I think they're riding on that at the moment. I don't think, I think the, the reason that you invest in players from Man City, Chelsea and Liverpool is that they're not going to win every week. They're not going to keep clean sheets every week. They're not going to score four or five goals every week. But, you know, 70% of the games, 75% of the games, they are going to do really well. They're the players you want to have. And if you can find the value players in those teams like Foden, um, you know, like the Chelsea defenders who are kind of underpriced this season, then they're season keepers. You get them in at a low price, you keep them all season and they just return for you. And I think that's why there was so much clamour for Foden this game week. I think people were like, we've got to get him. Now we've got to get him now. He's he's starting up front for City. He's 8 million. He's on fire. I think his, uh, his expected goals since he started playing, because he got a big break after the Euros. Since he started playing um, maybe five game weeks ago, he's only second to Salah in expected goals or maybe even in expected goal involvement. And this game week, I mean, the cross that he put in, it wasn't even a cross. It was a beautiful kind of chipped uh, drive over the top of the the defence that Jesus managed to squeeze in. It was just like unbelievably good. Not just goal scoring, but creativity. He should have had an assist. And it's, well, I mean, ruled off probably for offside, I think. But, you know, in any other game or any other circumstances, that could have been a goal. So, yeah, I think they're going to be the top three this season. I have no doubt. And I think the the starters you can get and the undervalued players you can get from those teams then get them in because they're crucial that's interesting so my uh, I guess I've been particularly spooked because um, I've got Laporte and Cancelo you did um, well to bench Laporte this week as well yeah well, three well, things I uh, I kind of I, I didn't expect a clean sheet against Palace so I benched Laporte for that reason um and then obviously he got sent off. So I'm like, thank God I didn't bench Cancelo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it particularly spooked me that because obviously they're now going to be missing report for the next couple of games. Um, they've got not a great fixture run because they've got um, what United, Everton, West Ham are the next three games for Man City. Um, and then they've got a beautiful run after that of like Villa, Watford, Wolves, Leeds, Newcastle, Leicester, Brent. That's nice. Um, but the next few games are pretty tough. Um, so I, I don't know. Like it, it, I, it's entirely possible that, that Crystal Palace could happen again because I guess my point overall is that, yes, you're right. Palace and Brighton are both good sides, but so are West Ham, so are Everton, you know, so are Leicester. There are lots of these sides that are as good as Brighton and could cause difficult cause difficulties for a, a side that isn't like functioning optimally. Um, and I feel like right now it doesn't, it doesn't look as though City are functioning optimally. Like it looks as though they can swat away teams that they're much better than. They can raise their game for the really big games like they did against Liverpool. 
Um, but it's those like, you know, five through 10 position sides that um they're they're all really good this season you know they are that's the thing this season they are they are really really impressive it's a really tough premier league season like if you're looking at the season ticket to be like who do i target this season it's like norwich leeds defense i mean burnley they're supposed to be bad right but they've just beaten brentford just hammered them so even then you're like watford but they they can have their results and they've got a new manager. So it's really tough. I find this every season. I'm like, every team is really good. <laughs> like There are no really easy fixes. That's what they all say. But I still think at the end of the season, those three teams, Chelsea, Liverpool, um, Man City will be the top three and they'll have some of the best players, you know, some of the highest scoring fancy players. So I think season keepers are what I'm looking for with every transfer. I feel like a lot of people say, oh, you should look at like getting in a player for like a minimum of eight game weeks. But genuinely, I feel like I bring in a player and if I make a mistake, it takes so long to get rid of that player. Like there's always other problems or you have to take a hit and that is never an easy decision. Never. It doesn't seem to work work out that, that often. So I think bringing in players that you can, you'd be happy to keep all season is the way to kind of think about it. And those players from those teams are easier to keep for the whole season. Yeah, that's definitely true. Okay. So triple up on all three, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you can spread your funds so the rotation doesn't matter, yeah, definitely. No, I think you can this season because you could triple up on, because Laporte is not a six minute, he's only five and a half, right? So when he's back, he's going to um, lose his place now. Grealish is priced at eight million. Like Matt, you can you can have like Mount Chilwell and Christensen or something. Like you yeah, could yeah. actually triple up on all three teams. Yeah, you could have Yotta, Trent, Salah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. We're getting a bit pricey now, but I mean, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. There's no expensive tr- strikers from any of those teams, is there? So you could have super cheap up front and have a power midfield and a power back line. Yeah, you totally could. Um, yeah. I had a question. I've forgotten it. <laughs> Damn it. I'm the host of this podcast and I've completely forgotten. Oh, well, shall we have a look at the listener league? Yeah. See how it's going on. See how people are doing up there. So, um, the, uh, the top five have had a pretty, um, underwhelming week generally this week. So, uh, Molester City of Daniel Monks have come oh, in with only thirty-nine God. points. Is it is it meant to sound like molest? I, I can only assume that it is because wow, strong name. Do you know there's um in in my work my work mini league no less uh, somebody has made a pun on Mein Kampf as they uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> their team. And I'm like wow, you've gone big to enter that in your work league. <laughs> <laughs> A new low for FPL team puns. Indeed. Um, where was I? Sorry. Uh, listen, <laughs> molestation. You were you were talking about yeah. Um, so, uh, molester city are still top of the league, but with only thirty nine points this week. So um, the uh, the the chasing pack have had a chance to catch up. Do you think uh, Daniel Monks? Sorry. Do you th- do you think Daniel Monks with Molester City is a Leicester City fan, or do you think he's a rival to Leicester City, and that's why he's named his team Molester? Um, possibly neither. He it might just be that he <laughs> he saw he saw it and he was like, "I have to do it now that it's I've a seen pun. it." <laughs> <laughs> I'm powerless to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, second place, Finton Hogan's Havertz, bit of that, has caught up a little bit with 45 points this week and is now only one point behind. Um, Faden Sancho is, uh, Jose Roberto Delgado's team, uh, it's got 51 points, so caught up a lot of ground and got into third place. Um, Sorry About Your Luck by Brandon Krebs-White has dropped down to, uh, to fourth place with 38 points, so... Uh, so sorry about your luck. Thank you, thank you, pardon. Sorry, I think it's like uh, I think it's meant to be Ishmael Asar that. So sorry about your luck. Okay. And then um, fifth place is a uh, a big riser this week. 
um, with 63 points in the low-scoring week is very impressive. Um, team Dalek, uh, the manager is Armin Gulati. So nice. that's our, that, that rounds off the top five. Um, Edu Brute has dropped out from being in a strong position previously. It's fallen on, a, on only 32 points this week. So that's where we are. Um, and then the top scorer for um, out, of, out of us. I'm just scrolling down trying to find us. <laughs> I think it's, it's me. With, uh, it's me. <laughs> just on the we edge of the top 20. In the league now with that with that uh, 48 point haul this week, which like, as, as we've already discussed, it's a low low scoring week. Very few people have got the, the big bucks. So yeah, um, you're our top scorer. And the lowest scorer of the week, I haven't actually checked that. Let's let's do that now. Um so we've got in over my head. Oh, I uh, can't argue with that with 20 points this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he changed it just this week. Kyle McNeese. Yeah, there are two, two 20 pointers this week. Stop crying Joe Hart out. Uh, James Miley's team also came in at 20 points and possibly takes the uh, takes the cup this week because uh, James Miley has a lower overall season long total than uh, Kyle McNeese. I think that's a good way of rewarding it. Yeah. I think we've found our, our team name theme for next season. It's got to be based on some kind of weird <laughs> molestation or something dodgy and sexual rather than movie movie film titles. <laughs> Inspired yeah. by Molester City. Well, if you wanna if you wanna join the listeners league and take on us guys, then the code to join the league is in the show notes. You can find it there on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Um, if you like the show, then please rate and review us wherever you're listening to us. Um, we'd really appreciate it. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we're at FBLFFanatics. Um, so I think it just leaves me to say thank you for your insight, Andy. Absolute pleasure. And, uh, and here's hoping that that 3-0 against Tottenham is a new start for Man United. And Ollie can stay in the job as long as he wants. Until the end of 22 years like Wenger or something close to it. <laughs> Just to make Matt happy. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. All right, speak to you soon. Cheers.